Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. All right, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We have the second installment of our interviews with ourselves. These are some of the hardest things we're going to do because there's it's you can interview people and talk about things, but like interviewing yourself is kind of difficult. So, we're going to do our best here. Today we are talking about Taylor. Yes. She's so excited. Okay, so Taylor, I think, has been a pretty open book on our podcast about her relationship with Logan and her kids. And, like, she's very good at being vulnerable and sharing what's really going on. And so we know that she is the perfect mother. No, I'm just kidding. We know that (laughs) (laughs) that she really, she is an amazing mother, which KJ and I know because we did spend a week with her in San Diego and watched her parent for real. And she is really good. But something that you guys don't know about Taylor is that she had a lot of childhood crap happen to her. (laughs) That's the childhood crap, teenage crap. (laughs) And she has grown out of it into like a very, very resilient and compassionate person. So I think it served her well, but that doesn't mean that it was welcome or easy. Right, Tay? Definitely. Definitely. So Taylor, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with us, I think... (laughs) People want to know the little bit of a more full picture of you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'll just start kind of how we did with Jessica's family dynamic because I feel like that yes, way is, is sure. a That's huge a, foundation yep. for why we are the way that we are and everything. But I am one of four children, and I'm the youngest. That's right. Oh, what does that the say? Youngest. Yeah, the favorite. <laughs> Yeah. I love being the I love being the youngest a lot. But I mean, you like it as you get uh, for me. This is, you know, book of Taylor stuff, but like I liked it a lot when I got older, but when I was younger, you go through a lot of the youngest things, you know, like nobody wants to play with you and you're the youngest and whenever you all wash the car as a family, you have to wash the tires because you're the smallest because <laughs> you're the oh closest gosh. to the ground. So tender. Oh, little Taylor washing. I was like crouching down, (laughs) watching the hubcaps, and everybody else got to do other things. But but yeah, so I'm the youngest. Um, Parents were married for a while, but they got divorced when I was five years old. So I don't have a whole lot of memories of married parents, but I have a whole lot of memories about my mom being a single mom. So my mom. I grew up with a single mom for the majority of my life. She was single for 11 years. Holler, Kimla, you're the best. Um, But as a result, that really affected me, like interpretation of relationships, what relationships look like, what families look like. So through all of that, I really... I don't know. That was obviously a really, really tough time because like growing up with a single parent is never easy because that parent does a lot. They do everything. 
They do everything yeah. for you. There's a lot on their plate. Yeah, exactly. And so that was it's hard to watch, but also very inspiring to watch at the same time. So I do believe that being raised by a single powerful woman really con really contributed to who I am today and my ideas of women and what we are capable of. So I'm really yeah. grateful for that. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, as a result, my family is very close. Like my siblings, super, super close with my siblings. Like, I mean, we would all like want to tear each other's hair out and my brothers would like tackle me to the ground and put their knees on my chest and, you know, drop that spit on Ooh, my face and oh kind of like gosh. suck it back up. No, it's like a <gasps> That's skill. so cruel. Yeah. You know, you know, like all the, all the very normal things of growing up. Um, but we were very close. And then, so I feel like my parents' divorce and being raised that way was a huge thing for me. Another really big thing for me was when I was 14, my brother McKay, who was 16 at the time, died in a car accident. And that was obviously very tragic for our family yeah, and, so hard. and pushed me into a place of emotion that I didn't know existed. It was very, very, now it's fascinating to me. Back then it was heartbreaking, obviously, because I not only was robbed of my brother, but I watched what it does to you as an individual. And I watched what it did to my family and I watched what it did to my mother. And, and I just felt and experienced the grieving process firsthand of what that looks like and what it feels like. And I came to realize that whenever anybody looks at you, they don't see a human or a person. They just see like a piece of glass hanging over the edge of a counter and they're all just like waiting for you to break. And right. they're just waiting to watch you so crumble. Fragile. Yeah. So fragile. And so, and to do that at such a, an interesting age of 14, oh, I mean, I don't know any such a storm. that are just yeah. like super aware of their emotions or, nope. or know what to do. But I mean, I, my family still remained close, which was a huge blessing now that I reflect back on it because a lot of people don't because they can't, but we needed to. So we stayed mm -hmm. close still and just persisted in our life. And then I'm trying to think, oh, and then my mom got remarried. So then I was all of a sudden part of a mixed family, which mm -hmm. is a very interesting dynamic when we see two families coming together. So I had two siblings left, my older brother and my older sister. And then I got three new step siblings as well as a stepdad, mm -hmm. which that happened when I was like 15, 15 or 16. And so that was a very interesting dynamic as well. Yeah. So I shift. feel like as a, as like a child, teen, adolescent teenager, I was very adaptive. I would adapt to different things like my dynamics and my family, my environment would change and I would adapt. So mm -hmm. even though I was the youngest, I did feel like I was kind of a peacemaker in all of that. As a child, I was very amiable, um, very like accommodating, very quiet. My brothers and my sisters would talk for me a lot. They would protect me. I did have some anxiety growing up as a kid. And then as I grew up, 
I watched my mom and I watched these interactions and I watched these family dynamics and I kind of gained a voice for myself, which was, I guess, Taylor today or the beginnings of her, you know, and I just, I like where it came. Yeah. You You ended up in a good place. So, (laughs) yeah. So those were kind of like some of my big formative year things, which I will never say that I'm grateful for it for a trial or for something hard in my life. Cause I've never looked at something and been like, I'm so glad that that happened. Yeah. Cause, but I have, wouldn't you just rather it didn't happen. I would really rather yeah. a lot of those things yeah. didn't happen. I agree with that. But I am, I am grateful that I am who I am now mm-hmm. and that I grew. And, and a lot of that was attributed to my husband, Logan. He is like, he was such a good friend to me growing up and, we started dating when we were seniors in high school and Logan is just a top notch human being all around. He is like, he's a champion. I will call him a champion. As we drive in the car and he's running alongside (laughs) when we were in California and I'm like, he's a literal champion. He's a champion. I just, I mean, we are a very normal married couple who, fight and resent each other and break boundaries and don't communicate but you have like the I, sweetest like love story and everything i love it you just yeah. keep trying <laughs> which i knew about before i ever met you you did yeah yeah because my best friends right. became taylor's best friends when they all went to africa to do a humanitarian thing they came back and would just like go on and on about taylor and logan and how they're in love and they're gonna get married <laughs> Yeah, I did that in college. I did that humanitarian trip in college. And that was a very eye-opening experience for me, too, to kind of understand the world. I really want my kids to do something like that, to just get out and experience the world and what it looks like outside of our scope and our perspective. But I loved that. And that was when I was on my path towards becoming a therapist eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is backtracking a little bit, but I thought it was really interesting that you had kind of these like back to back life altering situations as a teenager. Like your brother um, was killed in a car accident, and then like a year later, your mom remarried. So yeah, it was, it was like probably closer to almost two, two years. Yeah. yeah. So it was like this huge shift in family, like your yeah. family makeup. And how do you feel like you were able to kind of cope through that as a teenager? Cause like you said, there were tons of emotions and like yeah. looking back, it's crazy, but what got you through that? That's such a good question. I think it has a lot to do with my attachment to my mom, honestly, mm-hmm. and that secure attachment. So, I mean, I when I was five, I mean, I watched our family be broken apart when my parents got divorced. Yeah, You know, my dad left and he left in a way that wasn't super awesome, but he left and we would only see him like once a year. So it wasn't like he was still really in the picture. Yeah, and he wasn't a present father. He was yeah. not a present, yeah. And so I had my mom. And so I, wa- I, I, I'm like an observer and especially as a child, I was a really big observer. Mm-hmm. And this is where kind of my fascination with human behavior started was I liked watching people. 
understanding why they did the things that they did. And in my life, people did a lot of things that couldn't be explained. And that was really interesting and frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. But I watched my mom and I watched how even through this like huge trauma, I mean, abandonment for her, betrayal for her, betrayal for all of us, she still put us first, almost to her detriment, honestly. We were always put first. I was never neglected by her. I was never, you know, forgotten. I was never pushed aside. I was always there and I was always seen by her. And I think that when those other hard things came later as a teenager, I mean, they were horrible. Oh my gosh, they were horrible. I just like, the pain is still palpable, but I think that I would look at my mom and my family and I'd be like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay, but it's not okay. It's okay because I'm not going to get left behind. I'm not going to fade away into obscurity. I'm not going to like lose myself in the darkness because I'm seen. Yeah. And I've been you seen always had that whole time. to go back to. Yeah. So I honestly think that had a lot to do with that secure attachment that I had to my mom. And I knew that if I was tethered to her, I was going to be okay. Yeah. Not to say that I didn't act out or, you know, like do all of those things, but that attachment was always really strong. Mm -hmm. It kind of pulled me through. That's awesome. I love that you refer to your mom by her first name. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. And the fact that her name is Kimola. Yeah. I know. I remember the first time you said that, I was like, who is she talking about? But anyway. (laughs) In grad school, we had someone come talk to us about attachment, or it was one of our professors, and they talked about how, like, take a look at your attachment with your parents. Do you ever call them by their name, or do you always (laughs) call them mom and dad? (laughs) And it's like a sign of you know, shifting into kind of your own person, if you're able to like Mm -hmm. refer to them by their own name. And Mm -hmm. that is something that I've always seen Taylor do. Oh, Taylor definitely does. And it's awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, it is. I know. I I started doing it in high school. I think I was like 16 years old and her name is Kimala, which is a very unique name. And I was like, your name is so cool. Like, why don't we call you by your name? And she wasn't (laughs) one of those parents that was like, that's disrespectful. No, I'm, yeah. or, I'm your mother. Like, don't call me that. She was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, <laughs> call me Kimla. I'm Kimla. <laughs> well, it's like for sure, like secure attachment, right? Like it's, yeah. it just kind of shows like, Hey, I can be independent. And like, yeah. I can, there's a sign of that by I'm calling you Kimla and not mom. Yeah. But we have this secure attachment where we like understand our dynamic and our roles. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to cause any <laughs> issues. Yeah. Yeah, no long-term so damage. True. That's so true. From calling your mom Kimala. <laughs> I know. And I think that that just kind of like that shift in teenage years and knowing that I had that attachment, I was able to kind of like go into college. I think that when I went to college, that was a really big growth period for me as it is for a lot of people, I, I'm sure. But I felt like that's when... I took all those things from my childhood, like the relationships that I saw, the ones that I liked, the ones that I didn't like, how powerful I felt like women were and how powerful I wanted to be. And I really tried to kind of mold that into the person 
that I wanted to be and then start being that person. I thought college was so cool because I'm like, you can just go and you can just like choose who you're going to be. And I know that sounds like so cliche, but it was a really hard time. Like when I left for college, Logan, who's my best friend in the whole world, left on his mission. And so I just like left my family, left that secure attachment with my mom. Logan left, who was my best friend and biggest support. And I was alone. I was alone. <laughs> and I know that sounds in dramatic. In a dreary place. In a dreary place called Rexburg, Idaho, where it snows. <laughs> like nobody's business. And I was so alone. And I had to, like, pick myself up. And I had to move forward into who I wanted to be. And I, wa- I wanted to be a powerful, self-assured, emotional, sensitive, compassionate person. Like... Well, Those you missed the mark. You're none know, of right? them. <laughs> like failure. Me. You fail. But you really are like true. All those words, I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That is Taylor. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that college was a really, really cool time for me. And I did end up getting married. Fairly, I got married when I was 21. Yeah, so. you, you are the, the young one. one of the I young am ones. a young one to get married. Yeah, so I married Logan. I said, sucker, I'm going to marry you. And he was like, okay. I feel like Logan is, well, and I'll say it, Logan is my soulmate for sure. Like mm-hmm. he is. And I, like with soulmates, I don't really believe that there's one person out there for every single person. I think you can marry pretty much just about anybody and or be with anybody and you'd be fine. But I do think that when you have a soulmate, it's like you choose somebody and then you create something that's special and remarkable and extraordinary. And I feel like that's what Logan is to me is we chose each other and now we've created a bond that is, in my opinion, extraordinary because he's an extraordinary person. So, and I'm extraordinary too. He's not just great. I'm great too. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. But like, I loved, so the thing that was nice about like when we started the podcast was that KJ and I flew out to California and we stayed in Taylor's bed while and she guys, and Logan took the living room. It so tiny. <laughs> so it was, tiny. But also I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing apartment. That's seven <laughs> minutes from the zoo and the beach. And I was like in awe, but like we got to see their little family and just how very secure and happy all four of them are like, I loved being there. And that is such a testament to like you and Logan and the life you created that when we were there, we felt so comfortable and so happy. Like I loved being there. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to just go sleep on Taylor's floor again. And I'm like, stop having kids Taylor. Cause I need an extra bedroom. I know. Like I, I like Logan needs to, uh-huh. yeah. Logan needs to like get into his doctoring so that you guys can have a bigger house. So there's I more know, space for right? me. Right, we you just know. need to like yeah, stop moving every year. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, get it together, bro. <laughs> yeah. But it is like no. such a testament to like who you guys are that it feels so good to be around you because it does. And your kids too. Your kids are incredible kids too. Well, and I just have like such a and I think that this is a big part of my therapy probably is like I feel like I've 
I know I depend a lot on like the energy of people. And I know that can sound kind of abstract, but I think that one thing that I'm, that I'm good at and I've taken this from my life experience and from Logan and from our home life and everything is there is such power in just sitting with someone like there is, I mean, people exude energy and I'm, I'm not the greatest therapist in the world. I know that I have so much to learn and so many things to improve on. But one thing I know I'm good at, and it's the thing that kind of keeps me going in my, in my career, in my profession, is I know I'm, I'm powerful when it comes to holding somebody's pain and their experience. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of power in that energy that I create, the energy that I hold, and that it becomes a sacred experience for me and for them. And I think that that is something that I've just kind of, I think I was born with a little bit of it. I think that I was, it was modeled for me. And I think I work really hard to kind of, to keep that skill and Mm -hmm. to keep that, that part of my practice because energy is powerful for me so yeah I think it's really interesting you say that and note that as one of your biggest strengths because I totally agree yeah and I think you can see that come out in your parenting and your marriage and just how you are with people when they're having an emotion and you're not afraid of that and the things you've told us about your childhood and like the the formative moments and just kind of the biggest relationships in your life, you can kind of see that, like how those things shaped you. Because you talked about when you were little, like being the peacekeeper and like just kind of being that person that like, you know, was like going with the flow and like being there and just being present. And then you had this like big trauma in your life but you talk about like the biggest thing that helped you cope was your mom meeting your needs and how she was there and she was present and with you and how that created like a secure bond. And just from my perspective, it seems like you have taken those things and turned them into like just this powerhouse of like, I can be with people and just sit with them and their pain and it doesn't scare me because I've been the person on the other side of that before and people had to be with me. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is top notch, dude. (laughs) It is, 100%. Yeah, I feel like pain has dictated a lot of my life and it still does. Like um, Logan and I recently, during this past year, we we have two children, we have Scout and Boone. But we recently had a daughter named Bodie, and she was stillborn, and we lost her during that um, pregnancy pretty far along. And that was, I think, like my history of things, like when I just look at it on a piece of paper. And losing Bodie was by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So we talk about Bodhi every day, most of the time, all day, because Scout bring, Scout draws pictures of Bodhi at preschool. 
She's mm-hmm. constantly talking about her. We pray for her every day and everything. Um, but Bodhi's also a very private and a very sacred subject in our house and in our lives as well. But that experience, and I will say, I just have such a belief that trauma can bring you close to people yes. if you let it. And it does, sometimes the, the cards are stacked against you and it doesn't work out like that. But it, for me in my life, I've seen that my traumas have brought me close. And because you have two options, you can turn close or you can turn away. And there's a lot of you that wants to turn away because it's too painful to turn towards something. But Logan and I both turned towards each other Mm -hmm. and towards our little family and towards Bodhi. And we just ran straight into that hurricane of pain. And as a result... I have, I really feel like I've seen the soul of my husband and I've seen who he is at, to his core. And that has just really solidified that relationship. And it solidified a lot of my relationships with my children and with my daughter, Bodhi. Mm-hmm. So we have three children and we have these relationships because of trauma, because of pain, because of life experience, but also because we choose each other through them Mm -hmm. I just feel like sobbing like (laughs) I mean I literally have been crying and I'm like you guys were there through that whole thing so we were and it was okay I will cry but it was incredibly painful to watch as a friend and know that your friend is going through something so difficult but it was so beautiful to watch too like like I said like Taylor and Logan hold space and they are the people that you want in your life. So I'm like, Bodhi is like the luckiest little girl. She had the most amazing mother who sacrificed a lot to bring her into this world when Taylor knew that it wasn't going to be a happy outcome. You know, like it was really, oh, I just <laughs> cry. <laughs> it was beautiful to watch, but it was very painful to watch too, you yeah. know. So I think that's kind of, my life has been riddled with these things and I'm sure it will be riddled with more things, so many more things as they come. And, but I think that for me, it all comes down to the connection. And that's why I love every time Jessica talks about attachment and when she talks about those connections and those things that we can do for our children and for the people in our lives. And that's why I love relationships. I feel like that is one of my big callings is, relate is marriages and families and relationships. And I just, I'm so, so fascinated and so in awe of what a relationship can do for somebody, like whether that's a friend or, or whatever that looks like in our lives. But, and also that you can, you can choose the type of person that you want to be and you can be powerful. I wasn't a powerful child. I wasn't I was meek and I was quiet and I chose power later over what, you know, a lifetime or, you know, the course of my life, I chose that. And now I can see it in my life and it's been a painful road, but it's worth it most of the time. (laughs) It just reminds me. So I recently saw the little women movie, which I want to see that. I definitely recommend, but, Yeah, what you just said. So Joe is like 
the main mm-hmm. daughter. That's who everyone identifies with. But she has such a temper and she's crying and she's like, oh, my temper. And she's talking to Marmy and Marmy says, I had a, I have a temper, but 40 years of practice have brought me to where I am. Because Joe was like, what? You never raise your voice. Yeah. You never, you know, she's like 40 years of diligent practice. And that's what you've done. You know, mm-hmm. you have 30 years of diligent practice of being powerful, of finding your voice, of holding space, of making space, like room for people and being there. And then that's who you are now. Like that's, it just is what it is. You might've been meek and mild back then, but now you're like a force to be reckoned with in such a good way, which is awesome. Thank you. (laughs) You ever want your self-esteem boosted? Just do an interview with these two. My gosh. (laughs) Or just be an awesome person and we'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Taylor, for just being you. And (laughs) opening up and sharing with everyone. And um, hopefully this helps you feel like as we do these more connected to us as people and kind of get an idea of why we are doing the podcast and why we are passionate about mental health and these topics that we share. And it was just awesome to hear all of that. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Taylor. (laughs) All right. Adios. Adios. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.